turn to Luke chapter 5. Mark has prayed us in, and so we're ready to go there. Luke chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 1, and then we'll make a few high-level points, and then we'll get right to our, our focus. And this is what we've been working toward and, and just trying to pinpoint the best Sunday to come together as a family, a small family within a larger family of MBT and, and hear from the Lord together about what 2021 needs to look like for us as Life Fellowship. And so I do believe the Lord has a lot for us from Luke chapter 5, particularly verses 4 to 11, but verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now this, this is the same lake as the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. depends on where you are, what coast you're on is, is how you would typically identify uh, this lake. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, there has been extensive debate regarding whether or not this is the same account that we read about in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 regarding the initial call uh, of, 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 of the disciples. And again, it's, I'm not sure that I'm here to solve that this morning, except to say this. I do believe that once we get to verses 10 and 11, from my perspective, it seems to gel very well with what we read in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 regarding the call to discipleship. Okay, high level. But our main focus today begins in verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for draught, or that is also pronounced draft. I guess it depends on where you're from. So I'll say both, draught, draft. Okay, it looks like draught to me, um, but I do know that many pronounce it draft. So there you go. But here's what I want to establish out of the gate. And this is so very important. Like, I, I, am, I am burning and I am burdened. For us to get this, and, and this is extracted right from what we just read in Luke 5, verse 4. It's simple. Our thesis for today, and I would even say for this year, if not your life as a believer, the key to bearing much fruit is going deeper with Jesus. That's the key. The key to bearing much fruit is going deeper with Jesus. A draught or draft is a haul. That is to catch a lot of fish to draw. As commercial fishermen, I promise you, Peter wanted that. <laughs> he wanted a draught. He wanted a draft. He wanted to catch as many fish as possible. And spiritually speaking, I think as a fellowship, we would say amen to that, right? Lord, we want to catch as many fish as we can. 
We want to be as fruitful for your glory as we can. Lord, we want, we desire, we crave a spiritual drought. What we have to see, though, is that a deeper walk is necessary for a drought. A deeper walk is mandatory for much fruit. In a word, the vision for life fellowship this year is simply deeper. That's it. I mean, it's, you, it's hard to forget that. It's one word. Deeper. That's our vision for the year. We must go deeper individually first before we can go deeper together. Again, I keep saying this over and over and over again uh, in the church because at the end of the day, I don't care what the church is or what the class is, a church or an adult fellowship like this is only going to be as strong as the homes that make it up. In other words, if your personal life is unhealthy, if your personal marriage is unhealthy, if you think that's not going to show up here and have an impact on us from a fruit perspective, you are sadly mistaken. And one of the things that I'm very careful to remind people of, myself included, this is so very true, which is the older we get, the more we have to recognize and realize that our decisions are always plural, in effect. I, I have to understand that, that there are decisions that I can make in my personal life that you may not know exactly what it was, but it will show up here in some capacity. If I am not walking with the Lord like I should, if, if my relationship with Christ is not to His glory, if you think that's not going to have an impact on life fellowship. You are sadly mistaken, and I most definitely would be. Our decisions do matter. And I wish at times that it was just between me and the Lord and the devil, and that's it. But that's just not how it works. If you're going to be content to remain who you are, where you are, and you don't want to move, you don't want to grow, if you think that's not going to hurt us, it will. Peter wanted a drought, but he had to go far beyond where he was to get it. He was never going to get that hole where he was. Yeah, he thrust out a little, but that's not where the hole was. In order to get the hole, he had to launch out into the deep. He had to go deeper. And, and this is why I think so many of us are frustrated at times spiritually because we want the results. I want fruit, not just souls, but, but I want the fruit of spiritual growth. I want the fruit of being the type of husband I should be or the type of wife I should be or to be the type of parent I should be. I, I, I want the fruit of all that, except I'm not willing to go beyond where I am to get it. Somehow, I'm just going to, and again, this is interesting how we can think subconsciously, but we, we think this way, is like, you know what? There's just going to be this magical day where I'm going to wake up and it's all just going to be fixed. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be the Apostle Paul. 
I'm going to wake up one day and all of a sudden I'm going to be draped with the spiritual qualities of the virtuous woman from Proverbs. I'm just going to wake up and it's just going to be, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm sorry to disappoint you. That's not how it works. It'd be great if it did. Please hear this. Spiritual barrenness exists because we are unwilling to move beyond where we are. That's why spiritual barrenness, that is, we're not fruitful. We're not bearing fruit. We're not growing. God's not being glorified in and through our lives just because we're unwilling to move. We're unwilling to go beyond where we are. I can assure you, if you're not bearing fruit, if you were to honestly assess your walk, you know what you'll discover? What you'll discover without fail is that what you're, what you're seeing in the spiritual mirror of your life looks exactly what it looked like 12 months ago. You haven't gone far. You haven't moved. You haven't grown. You haven't launched out. We're being called as a fellowship to launch out into the deep. The call is to go deeper. To go deeper. Listen, I will tell you, listen, I, I, I am so thankful. I love it when the Lord calls me to take a step. I love it when the Lord is very clear where he says, listen, you know, do you guys remember what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 1 when Moses is rehearsing with Israel their history coming out of Egypt? And what you read there, I think it's Deuteronomy 1.6, where, where Moses says that, what did God say? Uh, when they were at Mount Sinai, uh, you have been here or dwelt here long enough. It's time to go. I can tell you that for some of us in this room and for some who are listening, you've been where you are long enough. It's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to take this next step. You've been there long enough. We're going to look at five specific areas that we need to focus on with respect to going deeper. And as we examine these, and again, we won't get through it today, and that's okay. It'll take at least two weeks, and I'm okay with that. I'm more interested in making sure that we get this, that we hear from the Lord, and that we agree. And that we say, yes, Lord, I will obey and I will launch out. But it will become very clear what this needs to look like in my life and in yours if we're to do that. Let's continue in verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master. <laughs> now, I, I love it because, again, if there is a guy, if there is a person that I think I resonate most with in Scripture, it was Simon Peter. And I don't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> now notice what he says. He, he says, Master. So there is an intellectual acknowledgement of who Jesus is, but look at what follows immediately. <laughs> we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. In other words, Master. <laughs> I mean, I know you're omniscient and all that kind of stuff, but let me break it down for you. That's not a good idea. But you are the master. <laughs> you see that? Like, it's just, it's interesting. I, that's, I see, I see me. 
Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, thrusting out a little in the ship so that the people could hear Jesus, that was very logical and that made perfect sense to Peter. He understood that. Yeah, that makes sense. The Lord will, will, will launch out and, and, we, and we can use the water to amplify it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. Glad to do it. No challenge, no contest, no pushback, no talk back. Yes. But now you're talking about launching out into the deep. That made no sense. Okay, you want us. Now again, this is Jesus who was talking to a commercial fisherman by trade. So you want us to launch out into the deep in the daytime for a draught, a hole. Yes. Peter and his professional estimation knew that that was a waste of time in the daytime because commercial fishermen would fish at night in shallow water. So, Jesus, you might be the master, and you might be a master carpenter, but uh, you might want to stay in your lane when it comes to fishing. No disrespect. This is how he's thinking. Please hear this. The first area that we have to go deep in is we got to go deeper in faith. We must go deeper in faith. And if I can be clear... In terms of what we're getting after there, please, I want you to hear this, and I want you to process this. One of the worst enemies of faith, listen, is human logic and reasoning. It's one of the worst enemies of faith. Human logic and reasoning. Human logic and reasoning majors on, listen, walking by sight. That's what it majors on. It doesn't major on what the Lord says. It majors on what I see and what I think. It majors on my human processing. This is an issue. The Lord has to teach all of us that his, working, his workings and power, listen, often exceed the bounds of our human logic and reasoning. We have to understand that. Uh, some have not gone very far in their walk in years because they're, listen, waiting on more logical and reasonable instructions. They, they don't, they're not deficient of hearing. Not, not the issue. No language barrier. Uh, they can read the word of God and the Holy Spirit teaches them directly about what God is saying to them. No, ish, no breakdown there. The breakdown comes when they run it through their logical and their logic and reasoning filter. It breaks down. It's not making sense. I've sat with people who can clearly articulate exactly what God would have them to think, say, and do. The issue is it just doesn't make sense to them. Well, if I obey that, that means I have to give something up or I have to change. I'll tell you, one of the most simple, 
needful and profound lessons that God had to teach me in ministry is that most people are interested in their circumstances changing, but they're not interested in changing. They, they may be experiencing or reaping dreadful consequences. They've made some horrible decisions. They're, they're reaping what they've sown and they're uncomfortable. But their chief preoccupation is, um, how do I erase this $60,000 of credit card debt I have accumulated? I want to be able to do that in a week. Can you help me? I'm not interested in learning how to live and govern my life according to a budget and live within my means. I'll pass on that. I don't want to make those kinds of changes. What I'm looking for is, do you have a magic bullet? But see, here's, here's what I've had to learn is, I can't help anyone until they're willing to change. I can sit with them for hours. I can meet with them for countless sessions. I can... Do all of that, but until they're willing to change, we're not going to get very far. Please understand, an unwillingness to change always equals an unwillingness to move forward. This is how and this is why people get stuck. Uh, <laughs> I'm here... I know I need to be way over there, but, and I know that what God has for me way over there is better than where I am here, but in order to get that, and in order to go there, I've got to move, and I've got to change. I'll pass. I just want God to bring that to me. Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5 was captain of the Syrian army. He was a great man. He was a man of valor, but he had a problem. He was a leper. And this was too great for his might and valor. So he learns of the prophet Elisha in Israel who can recover him of his leprosy. So with a letter from the king of Syria and Silver and gold and changes of clothes, he arrives at the door of the house of the prophet Elisha with horses and chariot. Can you imagine the scene? Here's this very important man, this big time guy. He's, I mean, he is the king's man. And he shows up and he's got his gold and silver and all, I mean, he's got this massive entourage. I mean, he's a big deal. And he shows up and he wants to make sure that the prophet Elisha knows that he will be well compensated for his efforts and help and all of that. So let's dive in. 2 Kings 5 verse 10. <laughs> and Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean, but numb." was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, now I'm going to ask you to do something. Underline these next two words. I thought, human logic and reasoning, 
I thought. Let me translate it for you. Let me give you the literal KV version. That's Kenny's version. My expectation was, keep going. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. What Elisha did here, everything from how he greeted or didn't greet Naaman, and then the instructions that he was given by the messenger, that made as much sense to Naaman as it did to Peter to launch out into the deep in the daytime. should not even give me the time of day. Doesn't he know who I am? He must have not have gotten the memo. These Israelites cannot be any stupider. That's not a word, is it, stupider? I just made it up. <laughs> Catch up, Google. <laughs> I, gave, I just gave you a new word. This guy can't be a prophet. He can't be a man of God. What kind of idiot would give those kinds of instructions? And to go wash in the Jordan? Are you kidding me? Man, we've got better rivers in Damascus. Who is this guy? Please hear me. The root of spiritual stagnation is pride. People who are spiritually stagnant are very prideful people. They're stubborn. You go, what's your point? It's simple. They're here. God is calling them to take steps of obedience, and they say, you know what? No. I'm fine right where I am. I like, actually, you don't even like where you are, <laughs> but you're just, you're just, you've dug your heels in. I am who I am. I'm going to be who I'm going to be, and if you think that I'm going to move from where I am and become this other person, no. See, here's what we missed, though. See, God has all the time in the world you don't. So if you want to waste five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, you go for it. I mean, a, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years a day, so but your life is a vapor. You don't have time to waste. You're only hurting you. When you dig your hills in and say, you know what, man, I'm just, I'm not changing. I don't care what God says or what the Bible says or any of that. I'm fine right where I am. Okay, well, all right. What did it cost that first generation that came out of Egypt? Did they see the promised land? They sure didn't. Look at what they missed. <laughs> Look at what they missed. They miss God's best. You miss God's best when you allow your human logic and reasoning to determine your walk. 
Naaman desperately wanted his dire circumstance to change. The problem was, initially, he was full of pride and stubbornness. And until he humbled himself and got over what he thought, nothing was going to change. But guess what changed when he humbled himself and abandoned himself from his logic and reasoning and obeyed the instructions that he was given? He went and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. Guess what happened? I wonder what happened. <laughs> his leprosy was gone. Let me ask you a question. And I really want you to think about this question right now, and I would beg you to think about it this week. What is your Jordan River command right now? What is it that the Lord, through his word, has communicated to you very clearly? Do this. And you're saying, Lord, that makes no sense to me. That's not logical. That doesn't, that's not comfortable. That's, that looks hard. That sounds scary. There's too many questions with that. What is that for you right now? Please hear me. In order for us to go deeper, we need you to obey. And you need me to obey. Peter got over himself and his faith in his expertise. Look at what he says. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. If you're going to look back at 2021 and see noticeable growth and fruit in and throughout your life, it will be because you took Jesus at his word regardless of what he commanded you to do. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if, if we don't have all the blanks filled in. It doesn't matter if it's uncomfortable. It, none of that matters. All that matters is that we obey. Look at verse 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the, sh and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Is this not what Peter and crew were after the night before? It's exactly what they wanted. The core usage of multitude or multitude throughout the Gospels, it represents a mass amount or a mass group of people. All right, so as you're, as you're reading that here, the picture is very clear. This represents the souls of men. And what was Jesus doing? He was laying the groundwork for the Great Commission, right? Where he would command them to go and teach all nations. But the hall was so massive that it broke their net. And then they bring in the other ship, and it was so, it was so massive it began to sink that ship, both ships. I wonder how that happened. Didn't make sense. Please hear this. We must also go deeper in fruit. We must go deeper in faith, but we also got to go deeper in fruit. I think we, not think, I know we do. 
We complicate fruit. We all desire it. But we do complicate it. Please hear this. Fruit is simply the byproduct of obedience. Every time, all day long, fruit is the byproduct of obedience. If you obey the Lord, you'll be fruitful. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I thought abiding in Christ was the key to bearing fruit. You're exactly right, except to abide in Christ, guess what you have to do? You have to obey him to abide. Is John 15 not a command to abide? That's the command. The question is, will you obey the command? Fruit is always the byproduct of obedience. Every day, all the time. But this shows us the power of obedience. Peter obeyed the Lord, and the Lord moved and responded and blessed greatly. How many times has the Holy Spirit prompted you to share the gospel and you didn't do it? But you're frustrated that you're not fruitful. I mean, it's simple. Right? You're at Subway, you're buying a sandwich, and you're talking about the Chiefs, and so you've made a connection, you've established a common ground, and the Holy Spirit, I mean, you, it's clear. Give the gospel, give the gospel, give the gospel, give the gospel, give the gospel. And we don't do it. And then we say, man, it's just so hard to bear fruit. No, 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 it's, 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 listen, I get it's not easy. People can be difficult. I get all, but at the end of the day, it's just obedience. We made a big push a few months ago in Life Fellowship to invite people to Christmas melodies. Praise the Lord, we had over 160 viewers that watched that. Now, I know for a fact that approximately 25 of those viewings represented Life Fellowship. You figure 25 times 2, so approximately 50 people, maybe a little bit more, maybe 27 views, something like that. But... But the rest <laughs> would have had to have been people who were invited to, 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 to view and hear the gospel. I, I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, I've heard stories as, as high as eight people watching and viewing that were invited. And I heard stories of families that were invited, co-workers that viewed and all of that. Praise God. We could have had over 300 viewers easily. But you know what I wonder? I wonder how many, or I wonder, let's say this way, I wonder if everybody in life actually invited someone. I wonder. I do, I wonder. When it comes to evangelism, if we're honest, we're not very fond of the command to do it. We find it uncomfortable and we find it culturally out of place. That may have worked, Lord, a long time ago, but here in 2021 with people and all these different excuses, that, Lord, that, that just, that's just not me. Logic, reason. Consider John 4, 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, what seekest thou? Or why talkest thou with her? When the disciples 
walk up on the scene and see Jesus publicly talking to this woman. They were baffled, to say the least. What is going on here? I mean, what they witnessed at the time was culturally deplorable. That you would talk to a woman in public? Let me read the custom at this time, just so you can get some perspective in terms of what was going through their mind when they watched this. This was written. Do not multiply discourse with a woman, with his wife, they say, much less with his neighbor's wife. Hence, the wise men say, at whatsoever time a man multiplies discourse with a woman, he is the cause of evil to himself, and ceases from the words of the law, and that last shall go down into hell. Do you think the disciples weren't aware of this when they rolled up and saw Jesus talking to this woman in public? And not to mention, she was a Samaritan at that. Has he lost his mind? So this made, here we go, no sense to them. We want to be fruitful as a fellowship, but please hear me. That will require humility. That will require obedience. That will require a change in how we think. That will require a change in how we do things. And not all of that will be comfortable, including for me. <laughs> So I, I wanted to just clear off some space here, and this will be, uh, the rest of what we're going to talk about will be very fireside-like. So if you can imagine the fire, maybe right here. So we have a little fireside conversation, that's all right. But do you know why we need to get the live stream and the AV issues that we've experienced? Do you know why it is important for us to get those things worked out? It's not to alleviate your personal frustrations. I know you have them with it. That's, that's not why. Now, please hear me. I, I do want you to be able to hear clearly, and I do want you to be able to see clearly when you're live streaming. I'm, I'm not saying that let's make it as bad for you as we can. Not my heart. Not even close. See, we're going to get back into Colossians chapter 3, and... And we're going to spend some time in Colossians chapter 3 talking about the home. Marriage and parenting in particular, because that's there. You know what I know? I know for a fact that your, your co-workers could care less about what version of the Bible I use. They could care less about my eschatology, but I do know something that interests them for sure. The home. I know that for sure. I know that if, if you invite them to say, listen, in our, in, our, in, our, in our adult fellowship, our Sunday school class, we're going to spend some weeks talking about marriage and parenting. And hey, here's a link where all you can do is just click from your living room or your bedroom and you can join in. See, it's very important to me that when they do that, that they can hear and see very clearly. That's my biggest concern with that. We'll have invite cards and links for you to send out, but guess what? If they can't hear and see clearly, they're not going to hang in there very long, are they? 
They're gone. That's my ultimate concern. Graciously, please let me warn you. I'm talking to me too. We can so easily become consumers in our local church where we view things like the live stream and whatnot, we view it like we view it Amazon Prime or Netflix. I'm a customer. I, I, I've paid my bill, and I, I click the link. I can't hear or see anything. And I demand that you correct it. Okay, Mr. or Mrs. Big Deal. But we can become consumers where we view the local church as there to serve us and meet our expectations, and God forbid, when they're not met. Somebody's going to pay. Well, come on. Maybe, maybe you've got some technical expertise that you can help us with. How about that? You understand that not every person is a one-and-done evangelism opportunity? That there are some people in your life, maybe you work with them, maybe you live close to them, it could be a family member or a friend. That over time, God says, you can invest in this person. You understand, there are people I worked with that I still have contact with. <laughs> and I'll work it until God tells me otherwise. And some of them were with us in Christmas Melodies. By the way, hey, listen, don't be discouraged. If you, if you invite someone and they came and you said, oh man, no, no, no. God uses that. I promise you. It was not in vain. It never is. But you know what Jesus did with the woman at the well in John 4? He established a common ground and went from there. He had a discussion with her. He showed interest in her. Please understand, some of us in a church like this, and, and this is the other side of the, of the coin of a church like ours, is that we can become relationally disinterested in people, including one another. And to them, it seems like we go from zero to 80 in one conversation. It's like, wait a minute, you, you've never said, I've worked close to you, I've sat by you for two or three years, We've probably shared 20 words together over that time. And you want to talk to me about Jesus? What? What's your motive? What's your agenda? Who are you? Listen, it's much easier to invite someone to join us on a live stream when they feel like they know you and you genuinely are interested in them. We have to stop viewing people. Listen, oh my goodness, please hear me. I beg you. Because <laughs> I know us. And I, listen, I love, listen, I love, I love, I love our love for the word of God. I love our, our love for teaching and preaching it. But listen, some of us view people and we view everybody as candidates to lecture to. And again, I don't mean to be inappropriate or put a bad image in your mind, but some of us, this is how we function. It's like, okay, who can I doctrinally vomit on?
And I just want to... Was that impressive? Okay. We need a lighthearted moment. You're laughing. I can see it all over your mask. But they're like, where's your heart? Do you even care about me? Do you even know my name? Small group leaders, your small group needs to be a small family that connects around the word of God, prayer, and fellowship. In other words, it doesn't need to be a study hall for LFBI. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, here we go. I've heard this. I know where this train's going. He's telling us we can't study in the Bible. Far from it. If you extract that, you are not hearing me correctly. What I am saying is, think about your coworker, your neighbor, your family member that you might want to and need to invite to join your small group Bible study via Zoom. And they log on, and 10 minutes into it, they mysteriously realize that for some reason their audio is not working. And then they realize beyond that that every time your small group meets, their audio doesn't work. You know where I'm going with that? In other words, they did log on. They did take your invitation and they, and they jumped into your small group, but you all were talking so doctrinally high and lofty, they needed a translator. I am not telling you you can't and should not study the Bible. Far from that. Here's what I do know. I do know what you get in main service. I do know what you get in life fellowship. I do know what you get in D2. I do know what you get in LFBI. I know you're not starving for more Bible. I know that. For so many of us, we have never learned how to practically discuss the Word of God. In terms of how we practically live it day in and day out. So yes, I guess I could try to amuse you with more doctrinal gleanings from Daniel and Revelation. But I'm not sure what that will do for your marriage. Or your parenting. Or the 50 grand you're carrying in credit cards. Some of us show up to things and we're so academic and distant in our disposition. Cold as ice. Don't talk to me. Don't get in my face. Don't hug me, whatever you do. Open the book and give me something good. I'm part of Rich's small group, Southland. All right, here we go. That's what I'm talking about. You see that? I, I didn't even ask her. Come on, give me a break. I'm telling you, man. Where's Rich? There he is. Hey, if you are in Southland, please stand up. Come on, man. Where's Southland? Southland House, come on. There we go. Look at this. Yes. Yes. How about that? Yes. You know what? Rich had to kick us out Thursday night. 
He was gracious about it. See, bro, we understand. I got a lot of experience. I knew what you were doing. He's like, well, yeah, guys, sir, it ran a little long here tonight, but uh... <laughs> actually, I know that guy. What he was doing, he was being, he knew it was way past my bedtime. <laughs> it's like, man, it's eight o'clock. We gotta roll this thing up. <laughs> you know what? If you're a Greece Southland, say amen. We study together. We laugh together and even cry together. And for some of you, sadly, what I just said is a massive turnoff to you. Because you have no interest in sitting with a group of people where, listen, we're not just sharing our heads, we're sharing our hearts. So everything for you has got to be a lecture. It's got to be a lecture hall. It's got to be a lecture. It's got to be an academic classroom situation. Remember we talked about last week from Hebrews 13.3 about identifying with people? You have to identify them with, identify them with your head and your heart. We are a family. And we're not wasting time if we're not studying Daniel and Revelation. How many of you were blessed this morning by the praise and worship? I was. Did you notice who was on the drums? The silky, smooth, Chris Rhodes, my man. Love him. Chris is just part of the life fellowship background, right? How many of you remember a year ago when we were down in St. Paul's, Mark stood up and said, hey, pray for my brother. I'm starting a Bible study with him. That was a year ago. Next thing I know, they're meeting with the Smiths for premarital counseling. Next thing I know, Mark makes, or Chris, sorry, Chris makes a profession of faith. Next thing I know, the rogues start attending Sunday morning services. Next thing I know, their daughter makes a profession of faith. Next thing I know, they start discipleship with the Smiths. Next thing I know, they're in life fellowship. Next thing I know, I get a report that they've completed discipleship one. Next thing I know, Mark is playing the drums for Christmas Melodies, where we probably had about 300 or more viewers. Next thing I know, Mark has got a security vest on, serving in security. Alicia is helping with decorations around the church and things like that. Next thing I know, Mark is jamming on the drums. Chris. Chris. Hey, I'm almost filled. You guys knew where I was going, right? <laughs> Go, deep. Go deep. Yes. Man. Sorry. I feel terrible now. Man, he was jamming on the drums this morning. Chris was. Not Mark. Now, Mark can jam too. Have you also noticed their sister? 
has become a life fellowship. Remember, Mark also stood up and, and said, hey, pray for my Bible study. I'm starting a, a, a Bible study with my family. And she's here with her son. Not here today, but she's been coming regularly. Guys, we need more of that this year. That's what we're trusting God for. Listen, I appreciate it. If I can just speak for the discipleship team, listen, I appreciate when you come and you say, hey, I'm available and willing to disciple. Praise God, we appreciate that. But let me tell you what sounds even better than that. Hey, by the grace of God, I was blessed to lead my co-worker to Christ. They're going to be attending the COD class next Saturday. If it works out, I'm available, and I would love to disciple them. Please, that's what we're trusting God for in 21. That's deeper. Not someone running around a church with their lips stuck out, mad at me because I won't let them disciple. You're going to be hearing more about Lifeline. This is the official outreach arm of Life Fellowship. You got a taste of it during Christmas Melodies. That's led by Jonathan Kendler. Mark and Carla are part of that team as well. That team is going to have to grow eventually if the things that we're trusting God for comes to pass. I can promise you that. We'll be doing something similar for Easter as well, like we did with Christmas Melodies. The family series that we're going to be doing in Colossians will also be a part of that. Again, guys, I, I, if, 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 if I could just share this with you, if I could just share my heart, and after mission focus and being in quarantine, I've had a lot of time to just be with God and, and hear from the Lord, and, and, and God has just been very clear about, son, there are some things that have to change, including your leadership. In order for you to go deeper, in order for you to lead others in going deeper, you've got to make some adjustments. Okay, Lord, between the discipleship ministry and life fellowship and connections, um, men's ministry and another developing role, um, I had to identify how I could increase my efficiency across the board. I'm just one person. Everybody knows that. I'm not Superman. Like Sam says, like a tub of butter, there's only so much to spread. So Larry Smith will officially be the head of men's ministry moving forward. So he and I are having discussions about that. But I have also officially appointed Jason White to be the manager of Life Fellowship. So that will be a very significant change that we have to make. And what that looks like is under my leadership and my approval, Jason will be overseeing the ministries of Life Fellowship and the day-to-day -day operations of Life Fellowship. Jason and I, for over three years now, have worked very closely together, and we'll continue to do that, and we'll, we'll lead life together. But, but that was a very critical and strategic decision that I had to make that is in your best interest, spiritually speaking. Now, I want to make sure you understand what I am not saying. What I am not saying is this is a primer for me leaving. That's not where this is going. My heart is not there. God has not even whispered anything to that extent to me. But one of the reasons that I'm not going anywhere is because the job's not done. <laughs> I know exactly what life fellowship needs to look like eventually, and we're not there yet. 
And so God is not speaking to me or dealing with me about anything beyond that. What I'm trying to do is, Lord, how can we get better? How can we grow? Because, listen, please hear me. If you are in ministry and life and you are leading a small group, you are AB, Lifeline, whatever capacity you're serving in, please hear me loud and clear. Every area of ministry and life fellowship this year has to take a significant next step. And that means that we've got to be clear with vision, we've got to be clear with structure, we've got to be clear with communication, and most certainly we have to have accountability. We do. Um, let me also just say this. Um, for over three years now, I have been walking with and working with Jason as close as I think anyone can be. I would even say that apart from Lori, over the last three years, I have communicated with Jason more than any other human being. Is that fair? I think that's fair, okay? Um, I can also say that apart from Rachel, apart from Jason's mother and his family, I am as intimate with his strengths and opportunities for growth as anyone could be. Is that also fair? Very fair. We have spent several hours together, one-on-one, -on -one, talking about everything you could possibly talk about from a leadership developmental perspective. I know him. He's faithful and extremely diligent in the Father's business. He has proven that he can be trusted at this level. And in order for us to take the next step that we've got to take, I had to make that decision. If it kills me, we're going to get there. We have to. We've got to get there. We have to go deeper in 21, and no offense will be taken. If you're saying, you know what, man, I, actually, I just like life fellowship. I just want to come, and I'm not interested in all that going deeper stuff. Okay. Hey, no problem. You can do that, but I'm not sure how comfortable you're going to be. got to go deeper. This is part one. All right. That's it for today. Be praying about next week. It only gets better up here. I promise you. It's good to see you, Corey. Father, thank you for, your, for the time you've given us to be in your word today. Only you know, Lord, what everybody heard. I just ask God that you would really help us to think, what is our Jordan River command right now? And God, may we take it. In Jesus' name, amen.